Hello everyone, it's Thursday the 2nd of December and welcome to episode 84 of the Kite Podcast with me Ben Eagle. Christmas is approaching for me one of the best times of the year simply because nobody will judge you if you eat an entire Stilton. Becky. And cheese is on the menu again for today's podcast episode, which is all about the long-standing annual Chelsea Pensioners Ceremony of the Christmas Cheeses. The tradition dates back to the opening of the Royal Hospital in 1692, when a local cheesemonger provided Chelsea Pensioners with their supply of cheese. In 1959, Dairy UK took responsibility for sourcing the cheeses, which come from all over the UK. Our chief podcast correspondent, Chris Walkland, is attending the ceremony this week, as I think he has done for several years now. Um, So we'll hear from him today um, about how the ceremony works on the ground. Um, But I'm really pleased to say that Chief Executive of Dairy UK, Judith Bryans, is also on the show today. But before we go to Judith, let's go over to Chris uh, for the Milk Market Report. Over to you. Okay, well, I'm bringing you my report from the Quartermaster stores this week, and First Lady Judith will understand why. After all, you can't have a cheese ceremony with former soldiers and soldier S's without singing a cheesy song about military grub. (laughs) And that's why this song is normally sung at the cheese ceremony. Most people will know the song, I guess, in the lyrics, for example... Uh, There was cheese, cheese wafting on the breeze in the stores, in the stores. There was buns, buns, bullets for the guns in the quartermaster's store. My eyes dim, cannot see. I have not got my specs with me. I have not got my specs with me. That one, I think we'll all probably know it. Anyway, I'm writing a special version for the non-dairy sector. And here are some of the verses I've written so far. (laughs) And I'm going to ask the first lady for her comments. There was plant-based cheese, cheese, which tastes like dusty fleas in the stores, (laughs) in the stores. There was soya, yuck, yuck. But no one gave a in the quartermaster's stores. My eyes are dim, cannot see, have not got specs with me, blah, blah, blah. There were vegans, vegans, so skinny you couldn't see them in the stores, in the stores. There were Extinction Rebellion extremists, something, 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 who loved to hold up tankers in the quartermaster's store. Judith, I'm still working on that one and I'm struggling to find a word that rhymes with tankers. Perhaps you'd like to help. Uh, I'll refrain with a comment on that one, Chris, eh? (laughs) And finally, this is my favourite. This is an actual dairy one, not a non-dairy one. There was Becky from Kite. Kite, who keeps this podcast right in the stores. There was Becky from Kite. Kite. But she was pissed and talking (laughs) in the quartermaster's stores. It all happens on a Thursday. Comment on that one, Judith. Chris, I've noticed that your your normal kind of patter changes from a recording in the morning to the afternoon. <laughs> if you go into the evening, does Just it say, get even apparently apparently the watershed starts at lunchtime? <laughs> <laughs> this podcast's been really nice while it lasted. <laughs> anyway, to the markets, and I'm going to start with a look at milk volumes around the world. The EU is down 0.6% for September. 
Ireland is up just 2.4% on last year for October. To put that in context, the average month-on-month -month increase this year has been over 6%, so poor relative to previous months. The US is down 0.5%, Australia down 2%, New Zealand down 3.3%, and those are the peak months of the year for those countries. Of the big exporting dairy nations, only Argentina is doing well, apparently. And GB volumes are 2.5% off the pace. That just goes to show what's happening around the world, and milk is very tight. And no one I speak to can see this changing anytime soon. The tide is turning, farmers, and I think there's going to be a lot more love dished out in your direction from processors. So watch those recruitment books open in the near future, although perhaps not ours. As a result of that lack of milk, the markets are remaining strong and the outlook's extremely positive too. Whole milk powder takes the headlines this week, and that has crossed 4,000 euros for the first time ever. U-Tree uh, is the only GB company making that, so its ingredients contract price should be pretty good. Uh, skim milk powder also continues to increase, as does whey, to a new record high. Uh, butter remains as it was pretty much over 5,000 euros for fresh, well over that. I think last week there was a lull in the market, but if anything, sentiment has strengthened slightly again. But that's not been reflected yet in the cream price, still down on its recent highs at between £2.3 and £2.7 in the UK per kilo. Uh, butter and skim, though, convert on my numbers to 38p after transport, a processing margin and a 2p additional cost allowance for processing. Uh, the EU butter futures were down, but are now back up, uh, especially for April and May to cross 5,000 euros for the first time. And that's a significant price pointer for the future. Skin powder, they're up nicely again too. And they convert to 38p for December and January, dropping down to 36p by May. It's been another positive week for cheese. Mild cheddar is up another £50 to 3.550 sterling and on the way to 3.6 in January. A lot of cheesemakers have increased their farm gate prices for January over the last week, but on the basis of these bulk prices, there should be more to come. And mozzarella is also on the rise too, and I think there's some good news coming from Glambia tomorrow. All in all then, a very positive outlook. Uh, spot milk remains in the mid-40s, but precious little is being traded. So there's me done again. I'm now going to have some beer, beer to bring us all good cheer in the store, in the store. <laughs> some beer, beer to bring us all good cheer in the quartermaster's store. Goodbye. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Uh, Judith, welcome back to the show. It's really good to have you on as always. Um, Thanks, Ben. The ceremony of the Christmas cheeses. 
let's talk about that. Um, we know its roots go back uh, way back to the 17th century, um, but can you give us a bit more background to it, um, the ceremony itself, and, and also tell us why Dairy UK got involved back in the 1950s? Sure. Well, I guess before the Royal Hospital opened its doors, if you were an elderly soldier or if you were an injured elderly soldier who had given time in your life to service for this country, there was actually no formal state care for you. If you didn't have family, you relied on charity. And at the time, King Charles II decided that he wanted to open an institution that would allow the servicemen at the time to live a decent life uh, in old age, or as I think he put it at the time, soldiers who were aged and broken. He okay. wanted them to have somewhere to, to live a decent life. So he commissioned Sir Christopher Wren to design um, and build the Royal Hospital, which he did. And when the doors of the Royal Hospital opened in 1692, early in the year, it quickly filled up with soldiers. And by the end of that year, uh, it was pretty full. And Sir Christopher Wren went to the local cheese sellers and asked them to donate some cheese to tide the pensioners over the Christmas period, which they did. And they continued to do so at Christmas time uh, to donate cheeses to the Royal Hospital. But it was very much on an ad hoc basis. Okay. And back in the 50s, there were a lot of dairy organizations. Um, you think there are a lot of dairy organizations now. There were an awful lot more back then. Um, and there was a decision made to try and organize this into a more formal charitable donation. Uh, and to have a ceremony around it to recognize the long tradition. And I think it was the English Cheese Board at the time who did the first ceremony. And of course, at that time, you would have also had the Milk Publicity Council that became the National Dairy Council, the Dairy Council, and then was integrated into Dairy UK. So over the years, the tradition has continued and this is our 62nd year as an industry of organizing uh, this event with the Royal Hospital. And obviously, we've moved from the 1950s of having just a few pounds of cheese to having a lot of cheese. And so this year, um, the Royal Hospital will be celebrating with 286 kilos or wow. 630 pounds of great <laughs> British cheeses from all across the UK. Um, so that's uh, that's where the history and involvement comes. Oh, that's fantastic. And thanks for that, because yeah, we, we don't often get a lot of dairy history um, on this show. So that was uh, that's actually really interesting to go back to that. Um, it just I mean, how, how do you actually go back about sourcing the cheeses? How, how do you choose which cheeses to provide? Well, in September time of each year, we contact our members and people who have donated cheeses to the Royal Hospital in the past. Uh, and ask them for a donation of cheese. And we don't have people who turn us down. People are very good at donating cheeses um, to the Royal Hospital. And so the donations have gone up year on year because people recognize the connection and the tradition and the history of it. So they're very generous. Our, you know, our members are really generous in the cheeses that they donate and the amounts they donate. Yeah. And who's actually involved in, in the ceremony itself? How does it work? 
So in the ceremony itself, um, from the Royal Hospital side, it is the, the governor, the chaplain, and the CEO. They invite a number of guests who are dignitaries like the, the mayor or mayoress of the, the Royal Borough of Kensington and Chelsea. Of course, we have Chelsea pensioners themselves. And depending on the year, we have between 18 and 100 Chelsea pensioners. That really does depend on the year. And it's fantastic to see them in the Great Hall with their red regalia and sitting in that Great Hall with all of the names of you know, essentially war heroes behind us. It's, it's quite an event. And of course, we have a, a guest who is chosen by the Royal Hospital, who is one of the in pensioners, who cuts a, the very large ceremonial cheese with a, a very big sword. Yeah. Um, and that pensioner is chosen every year. So that's that's quite spectacular. I think it's the only place that you'll ever see that happen. <laughs> From our side, obviously, Dairy UK turns up in force. Our, our chairman leads the event for us and, and gives a speech. Um, the companies who have donated cheeses are all invited to join when they can. Um, and many of them do. Obviously, we recognize that Christmas is a busy time for our cheesemakers, especially, but a lot of them do turn up. Um, and then we invite um, people from across the industry, as well as stakeholders that we work with throughout the year, like people from government departments, academics, um, trade press. And so they all take part. And we always bring guests um, or guests. And so in the past, for example, we've had um, the Military Wives Choir. We have had Ron Chopper Harris, who was so well known to the Chelsea pensioners as, um, you know, one of their heroes from the Chelsea Football Club. We've even brought two young, um, two young soldiers who were about to go out on their first campaign. And they actually... Uh, serve the pensioners with with cheese and beer and the connection between the different generations of soldiers was quite touching to see and of course we've had people like Flavia and Anton from Strictly Come Dancing who waltzed uh, along the Great Hall for us and this year we also have entertainment with us but I don't wow. think I'm allowed to say who it is. <laughs> I've got to keep that secret for now. That is a, what an amazing <laughs> event um, I mean in, in your position as as CEO at Dairy UK um, why, why do you think it, it's such an important um, tradition? Why, why is it important that, that it carries on in this way? Well, look, for me, although for most of the people who turn up, it is an event and I would say it's the most loved event in the dairy calendar. And, and Chris can tell me whether I'm right or wrong since he's been to a few of them. But it's not just about a day out. It's about, in fact, it is not about a day out at all. It is about that connection between an industry that has long history and traditions of its own with the Royal Hospital and the men and women who live in it. And the fact that if those men and women who live in the Royal Hospital hadn't sacrificed a large part of their lives, we wouldn't have the freedoms that we have now. And also those men and women, when they were training or out on campaigns or fighting in whatever part of the world, they would have had British cheese as part of their rations and yeah. it would have connected them with home. Yeah. But beyond the Royal Hospital, we got to remember that we as a, as a sector and cheese in particular has had a strong place in 
Christmas traditions across the UK and many parts of the world for centuries. And we should never forget that. And I think in a world where uh, people are very quick to throw things away and forget things because they're rushing to find the next new shiny thing, keeping hold of a tradition and human connection like that is a really good thing to do. And I'm always amazed by the generosity of cheesemakers every year and the generosity of people like Ashy, or or many of you will know them better as Fuller's, um, who donate vintage ale every year. And you couldn't have a cheese ceremony without the vintage ale. (laughs) There's two important points from this. I need to up my game on my contacts list, don't I? And the <laughs> email that gets 280 kilos of cheese. It would like be I nice, Becky. 10%, that'd see me over Christmas. <laughs> two, you know, it brings you back to all the stuff that we've talked about before on the podcast in terms of, you know, the harking back to the importance of dairy products as a from a nutritional perspective you know these were Absolutely. the people that we needed to look at look after in you know an important stage of their life and the role that dairy plays in that yeah absolutely absolutely and um those gentlemen have no and and now service women have no issues or qualms about eating cheese they enjoy it they love the taste of it and also it's recognized in the royal hospital the the benefits that it brings them that 286 kilos of cheese will last until about the 6th of January, I was told by one of the previous head chefs. Okay. Um, it will be used in cheese boards uh, over the whole Christmas period. And obviously there are 300 servicemen and women in the Royal Hospital. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, they're quite had. They're very happy to eat it, in fact. Yeah. That's still quite a lot of cheese per head. That's good. It uh, is. <laughs> Well, uh, it depends what you're measuring against. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, <laughs> February dairy is on the way. So cheese challenge is coming, Becky. Love it. <laughs> uh, no, you mentioned, Judith, that the uh, the guest list is long for this event. Um, and and somewhere on this guest list for, for many years now has been Mr. Chris Walkland. Um, Chris, uh, you're going again this year. What From your point of view, what's it like on the ground? Well, first of all, I, I, I creep in at the back. When nobody, when nobody notices. I'm good that Chris has got an invite and I haven't. I'm not quite sure how that's happened. But there are three there are three words that spring to mind as far as I'm concerned. First of all, it's incredibly humbling. You look around the room and you see all of the battles that the British Army and, and services have fought. And like you would see a single word like, Somme or Passchendaele. That's all it says. And you think of all the pain and misery and torture and death that those two words represent. And it's incredibly humbling. Another word I would say, it's a, it's a real cultural experience. You know, there is trumpeters to, uh, to welcome everybody in. There's a military band. You know, it's full of culture. And as we know, the dairy industry is full of culture. There's culture in cheese, there's culture in yogurts, there's culture in <laughs> farmers and their families. Oh, the, only very thing, good. the only thing in the industry that doesn't have culture, of course, is this podcast. So <laughs> I have to get my annual what do you mean? fix from the cheese ceremony. And the final word I would say is, is this industry has a lot to be proud of. And I think farmers forget that. There's a huge amount to be proud of. And we feed, or dairy products are in 96% of consumers' shopping baskets. 
So in the great scheme of things, 290 odd kilos or whatever it is of cheese to the Chelsea pensioners once a year is a tiny representation of all the dairy products that this industry produces and consumers eat. So it's small by nature, but I think it's huge in the symbolism and the style that the industry puts into this event. And as I say, dairy farmers should be really proud of what they do. And this event symbolizes that. Closing the title into it, the celebration. Absolutely. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Judith, well, while we've got you on, uh, let's just talk about uh, what your members are talking about at the moment um, during this Christmas period. How are they seeing the, the outlook generally? I mean, obviously, we saw increased cheese consumption during lockdown. Um, are we still seeing that trend? I think in terms of trends, we'll start with that. In terms of trends, we're doing well. I mean, obviously, cheese consumption is still ahead of what it was in pre-pandemic levels, particularly at home as, you know, out of home is trying to recover. Um, I think out of home dining and on the go hasn't quite recovered yet to pre-pandemic levels. But if you were in the takeaway, if you were supplying dairy as an ingredient into the takeaway sector, you were flying this year. Um, the results were exceptional. And in terms of at home, well, I've got to thank Susie Stannard at AHDB, who did a fantastic presentation a few weeks ago um, on this whole issue. And I'll steal some of her stats. She talked about over 300 million dishes in the UK between May 2020 and May 2021 including cheese in them as an ingredient. And a lot of that was in things like pasta and cheese toasties. Now, obviously, if you're talking about out of home and cheese toasties, that's a slightly different picture, but it's starting to recover. But at home, there was a lot of cheese consumed and around over 40% of that was consumed at a, as a lunchtime meal. And our younger generations were turning to um, cheese for snacking. So I think we have a lot that has gone well for the dairy sector generally in terms of consumption. Yep. Uh, and we're still seeing, although there might be some slight dips here and there as consumers shift some from eating in home to out of home, we are still seeing a very strong trend at the moment. So there's a lot to be thankful for there in terms of the membership and their sentiment. You know, for cheesemakers, Christmas is one of their busiest times of the year, if not the busiest. And at the moment, they all have their heads down and they're focused on delivering to customers what customers need in what is not an easy circumstance. I mean, COVID brought us all sorts of issues anyway, but um, Omicron obviously has people a little bit nervous at the moment and everybody has their heads down and they're getting on with the job of getting the cheese out there. I mean, Chris, we've said on the show several times that if you're looking for a secure contract, um, look no further than cheese. Is this still the case from, from where you're sitting? Well, I would I would say yes, but I think what's happening now, if the powder markets stay as strong as they are for some considerable uh, period of time henceforth, then, you know, there is going to be some uh, farmers supplying into that sector that are going to have a very, very good price. You know, whole milk powder at 4,000 euros, skim and butter uh, transmit, uh, translating into a 38 pence milk price. They should have a, a, a very good price too. 
Lagging, though, is the liquid milk. And I think the retailers have to wake up and realise that those days of cheap milk and lost leader milk are coming to an end because I know that some liquid processors are losing significant volumes of milk to those other markets. Okay. Now, I heard today a relatively small cheese uh, processor has taken 10 million litres off a liquid processor over the last few months. Now, that's just one example of the migration from liquid into other more valuable outlets. Okay. I mean, how does that all relate to supply at the moment? Actually, Judith, I'm going to ask you about this. I mean, how are your cheesemaker members feeling at the moment regarding supply? Ah, look, I guess it depends on, on, I suppose, what we all, where we all stand in life depends on where we sit. And for a lot of people, supply is good. And for other people, they are struggling, not necessarily with the supply of cheese, but with things like packaging and inputs that come from other countries and inflation and uh, concern about some inflation to their to their farmers in terms of their inputs, etc. Nonetheless, supply is there at the moment. And I think medium to long term, even recognizing that there are some short term issues which will push into next year i think people are, are positive and optimistic for the future Judith, before we go um do you want to tell us uh, what your plans are for the dairy and discussion podcast over at dairy uk for the coming months yeah so in a couple of weeks time we launch our next one which is all about um christmas traditions and we have professor annie gray talking to us about what um Christmas dinner would have looked like over the centuries if you were rich or if you were an everyday person or if you were living in poverty what role um, dairy played in that how much it would have cost why our Christmas dinner today looks the, the way it does and when our Christmas dinner started to look like that and then I asked a very innocent question about nutrition and health and we seem to end up on track talking about vegetables that look like <laughs> genitalia and pies that um, helped gentlemen who'd had too much port. And so I had to kind of turn my microphone off because I was killing myself laughing at that point. Oh, but, um, I, I really hope that I, made the edit. I know oh, that will definitely be in there because you could listen to Annie talking all day. She's absolutely fantastic. And then come the new year will be uh, our first one will be about predictions for what's ahead of us for for 2022 as much as we can. Obviously, we don't have a crystal ball, but uh, there are certainly some things we know that are coming. And beyond that, I think there are an awful lot of things to talk about on the podcast in terms of some of the government's plans. Early 2022, of course, we're expecting their strategy for a national food plan. And they have gone beyond a response just to Henry Dimbleby and they have added in an awful lot of other elements. And when you put on top the commitments at COP26 and some of the other commitments that have been made, it'll be a really interesting year. So there'll be lots of good topics to uh, have a discussion. I can't believe with. the Kite podcast might have been out risked <laughs> by the Dairy UK podcast. I've got Chris every week. Word, it was it was Professor Annie. I'm very I'm, I'm fuming. <laughs> <laughs> You're you gonna up your game, Chris. Chris. <laughs> no. Um, so yeah, make, make sure listeners you go over and subscribe to Dairy Discussion. 
And while you're at it, if you haven't already subscribed to the Kite Podcast as well, please do. And uh, please tell all your dairy, dairy farmer friends about us as well. Um, finally, Judith, the question that listeners really want answering, what cheeses will be on your cheese board this Christmas? Well, I'm sure they'd be more interested in their own cheese boards, Ben, but my cheese board <laughs> will definitely have Stilton. It will definitely oh. have cheddar. Yep. It'll have some goat's cheese and probably a cheeky little bit of Somerset Brie oh, and nice. maybe even a sneaky extra, um, which I'm not sure if I should say or not, but I will. A sneaky bit of Gorgonzola, which I know Ooh. is a classic. I know, but when, when I was young, a long time ago, I lived in Italy, so Gorgonzola has a tiny corner of my cheese board, but don't worry, it's hidden behind the custard <laughs> bread and grapes. And 99% of my cheese board is, is British cheese. So that, that'll be us for a cheese board for Christmas. It's a really nice, um, it's called Coat Hill Blue. Do, you'll remember from the February. I, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, really yep. good, nice, soft blue cheese. I'm not, I'm, I'm not a blue cheese fan. I'm not grown up enough. Oh, I love the blue cheese. cheese. Oh, I absolutely adore it. Gorgeous. Yeah. What about you, Chris? What's going to be on your cheese board? Well, I think uh, I'm not necessarily on the cheese board, but Christmas Eve we normally have baked camembert with something. And in previous years, I've been very lucky to have received a nice little gift from a delightful little North Welsh cooperative full of some lovely Welsh cheeses. So oh. Will will be delighted. Very, very nice. So, so there just- are. Basically, shamelessly asked for three cheese on my podcast. Well, uh, <laughs> would I do a thing like that? Talk about abuse of position. I mean, uh, they are—they are the only—they are the only <laughs> company that currently sends me a nice hamper. But of course, it would be nice to compare <laughs> other cheese companies' hampers. Crazy. So, if there are any, I out can't there believe that. That well. Am I allowed to put my address? Uh, I mean, you could. I, if I were you, I'd probably advise against it. Really honest. Yeah, I, I don't think there's going to be cheese arriving in the post box if you give your address out on this podcast. <laughs> let's be honest. Especially after the song you sang at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, well that is that is all we have time for today. <laughs> but a huge thank you to our guests, uh, Judith Brines and Chris Auckland. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week with Hayley Campbell-Gibbons. She'll be on the show. Uh, but for now, to play us out, here is Chris's tribute to the quartermaster. There was mice, mice, eating up the rice in the stores. Yeah. In the stores. There were rats, rats, biggest blooming cats in the quartermaster's stores. My eyes are dim, I cannot see. I have not brought my specs with me. I have not brought my specs with me. Now come on, boys, off it up, off it up. Brought our specs with me. 